the, the bioenergetics of mixed martial arts are almost like no other. You know, to, to go in and, and knock somebody out with a power punch is a fraction of a second. Um, but we know that, you know, the glycolytic energy systems and your ability to tolerate and buffer lactic acid is a differentiator between the top athletes and everybody else, you know, on, on, on the roster. So those top, top guys can just handle and tolerate huge amounts of, uh, of glycolytic kind of energy requirements. And then, yeah, it's 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 a it's an endurance event. It's a capacity event across 25 minutes for a world title bout. So, you know, how do you take something that could be a fraction of a second or it's going to take you 25 minutes to ultimately win um, and put that into a training strategy? Um, we, we talk about this truly being the decathlon of combat sports and, and, and all those constituent training units that you have to consider um, again, is another piece of the complexity to this puzzle. And it's fascinating watching these guys go about it with their coaches. It's, it's absolutely amazing how, you know, we see one gym or one style doing something and then, you know, another athlete from a different gym will come with a completely different approach, you know, and we talk about jujitsu and the guys down there in the favelas that just live in the gym all day with their families and their children. They're hanging out. It's a social club and they're rolling and doing jujitsu. And then, you know, the, the Dagestani wrestlings where they, you know, they're going into hard, hard training, wrestling exposures for two, three hours in a row. You know, it's just, it's fascinating seeing it all come together. I mean, I mean, yeah, I think, sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to, you know, I was in a, uh, one of the, one of my favorite Bruce Lee quotes is, you know, I fear not the man that has practiced 10,000 kicks one time, but the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. And yeah. it sort of harkens to, and this might be more your personal uh, bias, Duncan. If you had an athlete, would you have them work on what they're really good at all the time? Let's say it's grappling, or hey, let's work on your weak, you know, some of your weaknesses. Um, yeah, and, and it's a it's a legitimate question because you you have limited time. I mean, you you just don't have all day to do this. Absolutely. So I'll give you my pragmatic response and I'll give you my formal response. I mean, pragmatically, these guys are world class because they do something exceptional. Okay, they, they, they are in the UFC and they're world class fighters because something, whether it's conditioning, whether it's this left high kick, whether it's their ability to take you down, whether it's your ability to pummel against the fence, they're doing something which is exceptional. Now, you need to retain that and make that strength a super strength and an X factor. You know, you need to be an X man, at whatever it is you do and make it so dominant that that retains your ability to succeed in chaos. The, the, the way we try to do it here at the Performance Institute philosophically, though, is if the, if the way you're going to lose is if an athlete, an opponent takes you to an area that you're not as competent. So you need to elevate your lowest hanging fruit. You need to elevate your skills or your conditioning in an area that is low because that's where I'm going to tactically target beating you. If, this, if you're amazing at this, I'm not going to try and go there. I'm going to go and find your weakness. So the sport of mixed martial arts lends itself to strengths and weaknesses. Um, and we try to have a phased response where if an athlete is off camp, away from fight camp, doing general or specific preparation, we really philosophically try to elevate the lowest hanging fruit. We try and lift your weaknesses and make your weaknesses less weak, for want of a better term. But as soon as we move into fight camp, it's all about sharpening the knife. It's all about pursuing your strengths and what you're good at. Obviously, you're working tactics against an opponent, but we essentially elevate your limitations off camp and in camp, we try and make your strengths a super strength. And that, that's kind of a general rule that we adopt. And that has to be, to a large extent, 
also in collaboration with skill coaches, right? Or Absolutely. just under, yeah. understanding, you know, what, what their intent is and, and how, because I've run into situations where I couldn't agree with you more, right? Strengthening the weak point, if you will, I don't know, weak, but perhaps the, the point that's less primed so that at the minimum they can mute, you know, mute an attack if that's not their strength. Simultaneously, though, you got right. The skill coach might say, well, no, 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 I don't we don't want to focus on that. So that's not always easy, too. But from a pure physiology standpoint, biomechanic, neuromotor standpoint, I couldn't agree with you more. We you make the make, get those qualities competent enough to be defensive, if nothing else. Right. At that elite level. So well, it's, it's certainly what we do. You know, so our, our academy in Shanghai, um, you know, we have not only performance services, but we also employ MMA coaches, striking coaches, grappling right, coaches yeah. there to work with our athletes. So philosophically, if I take our paradigm and our approach internally of the Performance Institute with our academy, that's how we go about things technically and tactically. We're trying to raise limitations exactly. off camp. Yeah. We're trying to make strengths, super strengths in camp. But when we work, when we bring it kind of here to Vegas, where, where I'm currently situated, um, you know, we work with that with the UFC rostered athletes already that have got their own technical and tactical coaches. Right. Now we can present our approach and our philosoph- philosophy, um, but at the end of the day, it's their decision. We, we, right. We're, right. we're going to align with whatever they want to do. Um, and we're not bold enough to say, no, you, you're wrong and incorrect. They, they've been doing this long, long before we arrived, you know, Ray Longo. And, and I know, you know, people like that. And, you know, the Javi Mendezes of this yeah. world and the Trevor Whitman's of this world. These guys are like savants in terms of how to go and win combat, how to win a fight. Um, and then what we do is we essentially present our thoughts and our approach, and then we'll fall in line with whatever the tactical coach wants wants to do with their athlete or what the athlete's ambition is for the next fight. And the other thing is, you know, styles are always changing. So opponent A versus opponent Great. B, my next fight, that fight camp might be completely different because I'm yeah. fighting a grappler versus I'm fighting a striker. So it's always changing and evolving. And um, the tactics of MMA are one of the most fascinating things that I'm exposed to because you see inside the minds and the complexity of what the athlete and the coach are going through and how they're going to succeed. Um, and then we try and tag along um, for the ride, like I say. Question I had just too. I wanted to talk a little bit about maybe some of the insights you've gained from the Institute are so contributions may be Duncan, where you, where the UFCPI has advanced, uh, which we know it has maybe safety performance recovery. Do you see any kind of primary markers, if you will, or ways you guys have been able to do that uh, in terms of uh, certainly safety? I know recovery, you, you all have worked so well on that and so hard on that. Are, are there any things you could look at that you think that have really worked well in advancing those factors for the athlete at the PI that we should all know about because we may not? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm biased, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm being flippant, but I'm biased. I'm going to give you kind of my perspective on it. Back when I was, you know, when I was first interviewing for my position as, as the first individual coming into the Performance Institute, the mandate at that point was very clear. There were these two areas that were very specific ambitions and KPIs that we wanted to work towards. Number one was health and well-being to avoid athletes dropping off fights because there's a financial implication if Khabib drops off a fight um, you know that that might have a financial impact on the UFC and then number two 
weight making exercises and how our athletes are going into the octagon or making weight in an optimized fashion. So they're, they're two very big paradigms that we've put a lot of work and effort into. So if we take the first one, number one, you know, the, 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 the medical health and well-being side of things, you know, return to play and how to manage injury and how to prevent injury and do the preventative work and keep healthy. Or if you do expose, you know, if you're exposed to an injury, what's the normal process if it's a concussion or a brain injury or a knee injury that comes from, you know, scrambles in wrestling on the on the practice mats? You know, what, what's the process? So we, we're educating the whole community around that at any moment in time. And I think return to play, particularly from brain health and having a very, very um, defined, you know, return to health or return to play um, following concussion is something that we put a lot of work and effort into. Um, with our partners over at the Cleveland Clinic and the Association Ringside Physicians and others. You know, this is not just ourselves. Um, and then the other side is, is the weight-making activities. And we've put an extensive amount of work into that. I, I you know, applaud Clint Wattenberg and his team um, here at the PI, um, including, you know, Charles Stull and uh, uh, Nicola, Nicola Lai and, and, and Dan Marquette and Reed Real over in, um, in, in China, um, where we've really tried to establish best practices um around making weight um it's a it's a fine art now and 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 again we know that we can be it can be done we can make athletes you know drop weight to a preferred competition weight and then do some amount of rebound work and that that doesn't essentially accelerate the the issues of gut inflammation or purging whatever you eat or whatever it may be again it's all about optimization on a saturday evening um, and how are you going about this in, a, in the most appropriate fashion? Handling and managing hydration status, as we all know, is a, is a critical piece of that. So they're, they're the two big rocks. Um, you know, we look at the number of wet, missed weights that we, we exposed to. Um, we've cut that by about 67% in the last oh, four and a half years, um, which we think is obviously making an impact. Uh, it means that our athletes are are um, you know keeping money in their pockets rather Absolutely. than missing money and <laughs> losing money because of missed weight but then there's obviously some other things like you know the conversation around training load and periodization for this sport which we've spoke to you know a little bit um how are we starting to consider you know phased responses or phased training approaches um you know distributing load and not just this red line effect of like, let's just go and, and, and train hard today, you know, like actually understanding the ebbs and flows of what's going to allow you to recover and regenerate and get back on the mats, um, you know, in the next day or so and, and, and optimize your skill acquisition then. So you know, there's definitely some things I can talk to that I think we've really changed the, the awareness of in the community. And the more people that come to the UFC and then go back to their own gyms and start to say, hey, we, we did this or we're talking about this or they exposed me to this treatment or there's this little technology um, for massage. We should get one for the gym, whatever it is. Exactly. Probably, yeah. but surely we're just shaping better professionalism and best practice out in all our gyms around the world.